Good morning, church. This is Jacob coming to you from the, the west side of our property. I am enjoying a comfortable shady spot under a big tree. You can see the newly refurbished playground in the background. And this is the Sunday that we're having our outdoor worship. If you're joining us online, I'm glad that you can able, you're able to, to sing and join in with the songs that we're singing and I'll bring you this message uh, that was pre-recorded. Or if you're watching this later, we're glad that you can be a part of this. We're starting a series this month called Kingdom Parables. And we're gonna listen to Jesus teach in parables and talk about the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a net or a feast or a farmer that goes out to sow his seed. So we're going to be listening for these parables of Jesus. I want to start this morning by telling you something funny that happened to me. Um, my wife and I had a baby not too long ago and I was showing a picture of my baby to somebody and she looked at the picture and she said, oh, she looks like you, but in a good way. <laughs> I was thinking, you don't really need to say that second part, uh, that, that but in a good way phrase will really mess with your head. It's stuck with me, as you can tell. I'm like, is that a, is that a dig? Is that, uh, are you trying to reassure me that it's okay for my baby to look like me? I mean, obviously, if a baby looked exactly like this, it would be terrifying. But that comment stuck with me. And I think in the same way, Jesus's parables tend to have that effect. It makes you go, I don't, I don't know 100% what you're saying necessarily. In fact, the way Jesus taught, he even said, I'm teaching in parables so that not all people will understand. Sometimes the disciples went back to him and said, yeah, we don't know what you were trying to say back there. Can you explain it? Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just leaves people to have to wrestle with it. But you hear this parable and you think it's something about the kingdom of God. It tells us something about God. It tells us something about me and maybe I need to do something about it. So it'll, it'll really stay with you. And that's what I want to encourage you to do as we hear one of Jesus' parables this morning. Let it, uh, let it sink in. Let it mess with you a little bit. The parable we're going to hear today is the parable of the net, like a fishing net. It's found in Matthew 13. And if you're looking for a great chapter where you want to hear lots of kingdom parables by Jesus, Matthew 13, several. The whole chapter is just the kingdom of heaven is like this. So let's listen to what Jesus says toward the end of the chapter about the kingdom of heaven being like a net. Once again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. They sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's talk about parables just for a minute. In Jesus' parables, he uses common images that people during his time would have understood uh, and say, you know, this thing that you see every day, you know, this thing that we all understand, well, the kingdom of heaven, which is a little harder to understand sometimes, it's like this in certain ways. And if you're hearing, if you're reading some of Jesus' parables in the gospel of Luke, he'll say the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew usually uses the phrase kingdom of heaven, but those two phrases are kind of interchangeable. And just in case you're wondering, if you hear kingdom of heaven and you think of uh, heaven, the, the place that's far away with the clouds and the angels playing harps that some people go to when they die, that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not even an accurate representation of what the Bible says about the afterlife, but that's its own sermon. What Jesus is talking about is what he says when he begins preaching, when he tells people, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near to you. I am bringing in God's kingdom. It's connected to what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer when he teaches us to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done where? 
not someplace far away that we can't get to, but right here on earth in the same way that it's done in God's realm, where God's perfect will is done in heaven. Okay, so that's good to know. And Jesus says, you know, that kingdom that I'm bringing that is very, very close to you, that is within your grasp, it's kind of like a net. It's a common image that would have resonated with the people around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was teaching this message. Now think about this for a second. In our modern day, when was the last time you caught a fish with a net? And I don't mean like fishing out your goldfish so you can clean the tank. And I'm not even talking about Wes Wolford doing fly fishing up in Montana and, you know, catching a fish with a rod and a reel and then scooping it into a small net with a handle so that he can get it into his bucket. I'm talking about a drag net, like a big rectangle net. I've never done that. The last time I'd done it was <laughs> no data. Uh, and maybe you haven't ever done that either. Think even when was the last time you've seen that done? I don't think I've seen people do that. You don't bump into that on a daily basis. I had to go to YouTube and do some research and look for people who still, to this day, they use a huge net and they drag it across the water. Um, they would take something that was long, uh, a, a net that w water could get through, they would put corks on the top so that it would float. The top of the net would float, and then they would put weights on the bottom so that it would sink. And then one person would stand on the shore, and the other person would go out, uh, walk, or go out in a boat, and they would get this big half circle, sweeping this whole section of a, of a lake or a river, and they try to collect something they could eat or that they could sell. Or another way they would do it is that one end of the, the net would be in a boat, and the other end of the net would be in another boat, and they would just troll across the water and just try to scoop up as much as they can. These nets were huge. They spent all this time dragging them back in. And the thing about a huge net is you don't just catch good fish. You catch all kinds of stuff. You catch branches and dirt and sea junk, fish that are too small, fish that you can't eat, all kinds of stuff. Jesus tells his followers, the kingdom of heaven is like that. And it makes us wonder, well, how so? Two things stand out to me about this parable that I want to focus on, one and then the other, this morning. And one is that uh, the kingdom of heaven, like a big net, it's kind of open to everybody. It can scoop up anybody in its path, even the people maybe it wasn't intended to scoop up. But then the second thing is, is this, this sorting. When the fishing is done, the fishermen, they, they throw out the stuff they don't want to keep that's not useful, and they collect in baskets the good fish, the things that they want to actually have. So, okay, there's this big net element, but then there's also this sorting element. Let's talk about the big net element first. Let's just pause for a moment and uh, acknowledge the fact that this parable was told by Jesus around the Sea of Galilee hundreds of years ago, completely other side of the world. If you, you can go there today, but if you wanted to get there, you would have to take like a 30-hour plane ride, and then you'd have to trek to the spot where Jesus told this parable. He told it in another language, in another culture, in a distant historical time. Why do I want to focus on this? Sometimes we hear this and we think, oh yeah, Jesus, he taught this at Del Val. He's talking to Californians. He is not. It's kind of amazing. It's something of a miracle that this message that was spoken so long ago in another language, in another culture, is reaching us today. We identify with this. We might even identify ourselves as the good fish who are scooped up by God and collected and part of this kingdom process that is happening. The kingdom of God we see in this example and in this parable is for everyone. Yes, Jesus taught and ministered in Galilee to Galileans, but the kingdom of God isn't just a Galilee thing. 
Yes, Jesus was an Israelite and he preached and taught to mostly Israelite audience, but it's not just an Israel thing. And in the same way, we are hearing this parable today in America, in California, but it's not just a West Coast United States thing. We are hearing this during church time. I mean, we're outside, so it's a little bit different, but we're hearing this in the context of a church gathering, a bunch of Christians, but it's not just a church time thing. The kingdom of God, the gospel is for everyone. It can captivate anyone's imagination, anyone who has ears to hear. And like the net, the big net, it can snatch up anyone who hears that good news that the God of creation knows them and loves them and wants to rescue them. He wants to bring them in and keep them close. With that in mind, I have to ask myself, in what ways do I treat the gospel like it's for everyone? Or maybe another way of putting it is, in what ways do I not treat the gospel like it's for everyone? I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in high school, I was in a Christian rock trio. Yes, that's right. A loud rock band. Um, but we, we, our songs were all about Jesus. We were youth group kids, and we were just trying to make good music, record songs, and invite our friends to come and see our performances. So we, we'd get booked in these clubs with like real sound systems, and like, come on a Friday night and come see my band. It was really fun, really exciting. I remember one day, in school and we made these flyers so i had a stack of flyers and i walked into a class before the class started i'm looking around the room and i'm going who could i invite to our show that girl over there i think she's lutheran or something i think she goes to church maybe i'll give her a flyer this kid over here he came to youth group stuff in the past i know he's cool he's not gonna be weirded out by the jesus message i'm gonna give him a flyer and i was kind of like yeah that's pretty much it everybody else i don't know i don't want it to be weird i don't you know want them to show up and feel preached at or, or whatever. I was being very selective, very cautious. And then my friend Alex, who was the bass player in the band, he storms into class, throws his backpack down. He's got a stack of flyers and he just goes, here, come to my show. Here, come to my show. Come to my show on Friday. It's going to be awesome. Hey, come, come check this out. Jesus rock. Everyone's invited. And I was like, I was impressed. And I thought, of course, why wouldn't we cast the big net? Why wouldn't we invite everybody and let them decide? I realized I was deciding for people. And I can still do that today. I can be very selective about who to talk about Jesus with, who to invite to church, or just invite to, to ask the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Maybe I'm too cautious, or maybe that's not the right word for it. I have to ask myself, uh, is, is sharing the gospel something I've committed to, something I feel responsible for? Is my faith just a small part of my life, just a fringe portion of like, what I do in my average week so that it kind of gets overlooked or maybe only thought about when I'm with church people on Sundays. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a big net with potential to sweep up everybody. That second element is that we find out uh, not everybody stays in the net. There is this sorting process that Jesus describes. There's this part about the good fish being collected and the bad fish being thrown out. And Jesus explains, this is how it will be at the end of the age with the wicked and the righteous. And this isn't just unique to the parable of the net. A lot of Jesus' parables end this way. There's a sorting. Good people, bad people. Good things, bad things. The wheat and the chaff, the sheep and the goats, even the wedding banquet. This is a great story we'll hear in a couple weeks where everyone's invited to a wedding banquet, even people that aren't part of the family, just anyone who wants to show up, come and feast. But then there's this weird moment where a guy doesn't wear the right clothes and he's thrown out. And you think, oh, that's, those are two kind of contrasting messages here. This is challenging. 
what Jesus seems to be saying with this ending part of the parable is that the kingdom of heaven that I am bringing to earth, there's no room for the wicked. It's, there's going to be a filtering process and it's going to be righteous people. And the wicked are not really going to be invited to stay. We hear that and that can be troubling. Uh, but the first thing we should realize is that's good news. That is a good, good situation to find yourself in. Think about this. None of us have ever lived in a world that does not contain dishonest people. We've never lived in a world where we don't have to deal with liars and selfish people and scammers, people that will take advantage of others, people that will harm, hurt people who are smaller and weaker than they are. And Jesus says, you know what? When I'm bringing the kingdom, you're not going to find any of those people living there. That should be a good thing. We should be excited for the God's justice coming into the world and resolving the problem of the wicked. But it doesn't take long for us to go, okay, well, wait a minute. Two options are wicked people and righteous people. I don't, I don't think any of us would consider ourselves wicked, but at the same time, my online profile does not say Jacob Parnell, father of many, coffee drinker, righteous man. And I don't know how many of you would describe yourself as righteous either. So we start to think like, where do we fall in there? And that's not even accounting the, the question of whether or not it's fair that God is sorting some people, some people get to stay, some people have to go. That just doesn't seem uh, like the kind of justice that we're used to. We like the big net part. Everyone's invited, but then like not everybody gets to stay. That part can be troubling for us. And many of you, I'm guessing, grew up in a church tradition where the sorting was emphasized. The justice of God, the judgment element of this parable. Preachers preached a lot about the judgment of God. They would say, don't get thrown into the fires of hell. You know, got to know what side you're on. Make sure you're on the stairway to heaven and not the highway to hell. You may have heard that sermon. That was emphasized. And then things kind of shifted. People realized that's, that's, that's an extreme. We, we, we forget about the big net part. So then things shifted. And maybe some of you who are more middle-aged or younger, you grew up in a church tradition where they emphasized the openness of God, that everyone is invited, the love and the forgiveness and the wide net element of God. Preachers preached about the open arms of God. Don't forget about the grace of God and the forgiveness of sin. And that's true. We go like, yeah, yeah, we went too far in the other direction. Let's come over here. But have we gone too far in this direction? Each of these extremes leaves out an important element of this parable that we have to reconcile, that we have to acknowledge and wrestle with and let mess with us. So it's less of a question of like, well, is this the right view over here or is this the right view over here? Is it the big net or is it the sorting element? I would say yes. If I could raise my hand and say, Jesus, will you explain this real clear to me? He might just go, no, no. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to think about how what I just described is like the kingdom of heaven and what that has to do with us. That's my, I think that's the best approach to any teaching of Jesus. Wrestle with it. Like that girl's comment to me about how my baby looks like me, but in a good way, let it sit with you. Let it stay with you. Let it challenge you and make you think, does this have, is this about me? Does this have something to do with my life experience? What am I going to do with this? Let it ask questions like, am I going to live a life that shows it doesn't matter what you do because of the wide net? Well, no, because important value in the kingdom is righteousness, turning away from wickedness, 
Or am I going to spend all my time playing the judge and deciding who's in and who's out and like being the, the sorting hat of the, the great hall? Well, no, because the kingdom net is big and because God wants to reach everybody. Because I realize that the cross of Jesus is for all. Jesus reconciled the entire world to himself through his death and his resurrection by the power of God. So wrestle with this. What do we do with it? I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning, but I'll, I'll re-emphasize it again here at the end. With any teaching of Jesus or with any passage of scripture, there's, it's good to ask three questions that can be very helpful. These are three good wrestling questions. Number one, what does this say about God? What does this tell me about God? Because if I'm not asking that question, I just start to speak on God's behalf and all of God's preferences and opinions and, and rules and values just start to seem a lot like my own, kind of like creating God in my image rather than the other way around. So what does this tell us about God? What can we learn about God through what Jesus has to say? The second thing is, what does this tell us about me? Uh, where am I in this passage? Kind of like I said, this passage provokes me to say, you know, am I... Am I communicating the gospel to too narrow of a group of people? Am I forgetting the fact that the gospel is for everybody? Should I be more like my friend who's just handing out flyers to everybody and letting them make the decision about whether or not they want to come closer to trusting and following Jesus? I kind of have a problem with making that decision for people. And I need to stop doing that. So the second question, what does it say about me, is a good one. And the third one keeps it from just being a mental exercise. It actually gets us to get up do something about it. The third question is, what am I going to do? Having asked and answered these questions, how is this going to impact my life? Um, I got to stop and remember the big net. I got to remember God's heart for the lost, God's desire that none will perish, but that all will know eternal life in Christ Jesus. And you may relate to that. Or maybe it's the, the other way. Maybe the, the, the big net that you've been emphasizing and focusing on forgets the fact that no there there is there's an expectation god has for god's people there is going to be uh god's justice in this world and we should be excited about that but what does it look like to lean into that justice of god now how can we faithfully listen to what god wants and then go in boldness and live that out those are just some thoughts i have about this parable but uh your your wrestling process will be one that's good as well so let me pray for that process we'll thank god for this this message the scriptures and just ask his spirit to transform and lead our lives lord thank you so much for jesus thank you for this parable that reaches our ears even today thank you for how it challenges us there's parts of it that are easily accessible parts that we like instantly and that we want to hold on to and then there's parts that uh, require a little bit of conversation a little bit of wrestling and i just pray that you walk with us in that wrestling process that we come out with a good understanding of who you are who we are and what you want for our lives we're so thankful for jesus not just his teachings but his lordship the way that he was willing to sacrifice and lay down his life to lead by example and show us how things can be in the kingdom of God, when you truly reign in our lives and we are not just vying for power and trying to control everything. We surrender uh, our will to yours, Lord. We pray that your kingdom will come and your will is done here on earth as it's done in heaven. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.